This podcast was recorded at the American headquarters of the Ethereus Society, located in Hollywood, California, where service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Good evening, once again, and welcome to part four in our series, Why the Ethereus Society. Now, of course, last week, as you'll recall, or perhaps as you have heard, we followed on from the initiation of Earth in the previous week with what came more or less immediately afterwards, as partially described by the Master Ethereus in that transmission that we read and also played from Join Your Ship, a transmission that came literally just a few weeks after the initiation of Earth on July the 8th, 1964. And that triggered the lower astral realms of this Earth to become active, as you will recall. It also, following on from the initial mission, the alien mission, it led to the adepts going to the system of Gotha, 35,000 light years away from this Earth, but still within our own galaxy, towards the center of our galaxy. And that subsequently brought initially two and later three masters from that system of Gotha to this Earth. And we will go into that a little bit later because they are participating from that time in the late 1960s right up to this present date in one of the cosmic missions of the Ethereum Society, Operation Sunbeam. And it is these missions that the Ethereum Society performs, what we call cosmic missions, that we will be covering this evening. These are ongoing missions, unlike Operation Blue Water and Operation Starlight, of course, the charging of the mountains, but that aspect of the charging is, of course, complete. But these missions that we will cover tonight are being performed by members of the Ethereum Society uh, members of the staff team at the Special Missions Task Force, on behalf of all of mankind. And to that extent, while the Cosmic Masters could perform, in theory, these missions without our help, they have the equipment, they have the know-how, the ability, everything like that, but our contact uh, with these missions, our terrestrial hands-on aspect, is absolutely essential from the karmic point of view. So that is what we'll be covering tonight in part four, the cosmic missions of the Ethereum Society. However, I'd like to just read uh, another extract from a transmission given by the Master Ethereus in 1960. This is taken from the book, You Are Responsible, because it again addresses the whole situation as it is now unfolding on this earth, this great quickening that we again covered last week and the changes that are taking place. So this is a transmission extract from the Master Ethereus. The evolution of mankind is now being speeded up in order to reach a certain point within a certain time limit. Cooperate with the speeding up. Help it. Become the beings who speed this up and I promise you a million helpers. If you do, you will never regret any time you have spent in this wonderful way. There is so much for all of you to do, but so little time 
in which you can do it. Then strike the gong of the present so that the echoes may be magnified by the future. These are the teachings which we, from the interplanetary governmental systems, wish you to take, absorb, believe and act upon. Then we can make our next move, which will be free movement among you and direct help given in your schools, universities, hospitals and governments. If you go out of your way to reach up to us, we can and we will come out of our way down to you. But you must move. We cannot come unless you do this. This is the law. We do not break the law. And obviously, the law that they are referring to is the karmic law. And the more that we do as terrestrials on this earth in a spiritual way, again, the greater opportunity they have to come and help us. And we in the Ethereum Society are arguably doing more than any other group or organization, certainly one of our size, to help bring about this cooperation and participation from masters beyond this earth. Now, the first mission that we're going to cover tonight, this mission called Operation Space Power, has been performed by the Ethereum Society since the late 1950s. And it is a mission that is performed in cooperation with satellite number three. Remember, satellite number three is a very large spacecraft which comes into orbit of this Earth at certain times of the year. We call these periods when it is in orbit of Earth as magnetization periods or spiritual pushes. And again, if you'll recall from one of our earlier classes, every spiritual action that is performed by mankind during a spiritual push, when satellite number three is in orbit of Earth, is magnified by 3,000 times. This is an aspect of the great quickening that is, that is taking place upon Earth at this time. So these, these magnetization periods are when this craft, satellite number three, comes into orbit of Earth and radiates energies to all terrestrials, all of us on Earth, whether we're aware of satellite number three or not, and of course the vast majority are not, but all those people who are engaged in selfless work of, of some form or another, particularly spiritual work, that action is enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. And all of this is part of this, this quickening up, this, the evolution of mankind being speeded up because of the great changes which are coming about. And I think it's probably relevant to say at this stage that one major karmic aspect of the missions of the Ethereum Society, the cosmic missions, is to provide this karmic manipulation that to a certain extent holds up time. Because of our participation, it allows us to manipulate that amount of karma that is giving humanity time, it's buying time for humanity to become more fully conscious of our true place within this cosmos and our true purpose in life and, and, and in evolution. So in Operation Space Power, back in the late 
1950s, Dr. King designed some fairly rudimentary uh, machines that we subsequently call spiritual energy radiators that are able to pick up a beam of energy from satellite number three and radiate this outwards to the world. So in a sense, it's an adjunct to satellite number three, helping that craft to radiate a greater amount of energy. And because it is touched by our instrumentation, our human hands, it makes it that much more karmically powerful. We are sending this beam of energy from satellite number three through this equipment out into the world for mankind to use. Now, these earlier machines were later redesigned, in fact, following Operation Blue Water. Remember Operation Blue Water, a cosmic mission given by the Master, specifically the Master Ethereus, in 1963, which had to be performed off the coast of Southern California prior to the initiation of Earth in order to bring about a balance in a magnetic warp around this Earth. And this was using a psychic center of the Mother Earth. It's how Dr. King learned of that particular psychic center of the Mother Earth. And these are aspects of, of our cosmic missions that we will look at tonight. So following Operation Blue Water, Dr. King then used that same radionic apparatus with a little bit of adaptation to become a more enhanced spiritual energy radiator that was being used here in Los Angeles. Again, picking up a beam from satellite number three and radiating this energy out to the world for us to use. This machine, this op Operation Blue Water Equipment radionic apparatus ran until 1969 when it was upgraded to a more powerful radionic instrument. And uh, that machine ran for a number of years. Uh, a second one was built for London became operative in 1971, and as these machines ran for several years, in fact, right up until just a few years ago, when we replaced them with new models, new, upgraded, more powerful models, based upon the, the original designs of Dr. George King. We now have three of these spiritual energy radiators that are operative in the world. We have, of course, one here in Los Angeles, we have another one at our headquarters in London. And in 2005, I believe, uh, the third spiritual energy radiator was put on the air in New Zealand, the first one ever in the Southern Hemisphere. And as I say, these are new redesigned uh, spiritual energy radiators, more advanced than the previous one, able in all likelihood, we don't know because we don't have the contact that Dr. King had with the Cosmic Masters at this, at this point since his demise in 1997. But in all likelihood, more effective, more powerful spiritual energy radiators than the original ones. We do know that with the original ones, which each, each of these spiritual energy radiators was operated for three hours each evening of a spiritual push. So when satellite number three was in orbit of Earth, and is in fact in orbit at this time as I'm speaking, and also as I'm speaking, a spiritual energy radiator is on the air here in Los Angeles because we, have, we run these, the, this equipment for three hours each evening. 
that the craft is in orbit of this Earth, sending out spiritual energy to humanity right now, even as I speak, to help raise humanity, to bring about, in some cases, perhaps even miracles, bringing uplifting spiritual energy to mankind, in addition, of course, to the energies that are being radiated by satellite number three at this time. So the previous equipment we know would send out 2,040 prayer hours, what we call prayer hours, each hour. That is the equivalent. It's a, it's a system of measurement that we can use, that we can relate to. That would be the equivalent of 2,040 people in very concentrated prayer, extremely concentrated prayer, for one hour. So we have we had 2,040 2, hours, prayer hours of energy going through each spiritual energy radiator per hour. So for three hours each evening of a spiritual push, that equated to 6,120 prayer hours of energy. And as I say, with this new equipment, in all likelihood, if not even in all certainty, that figure is considerably greater. And this is all part of going out of our way to cooperate with these masters from beyond this world, as in the extract that was read out by the master theorists, so that they can bring about greater cooperation and participation with us. Uh, and that, quite simply, is the what we call Operation Space Power, the use of our spiritual energy radiators as I say, in, in Los Angeles, London, and New Zealand, while satellite number three is in orbit of Earth. We are in the process of building a fourth spiritual energy radiator, which will be housed at our branch in Michigan. Uh, that's expected to go on the air sometime later next year. And we, we also plan to build a fifth spiritual energy radiator for our branch in the north of England. So there will be five such spiritual energy radiators on the air within the next few years. Now, I just need to briefly speak about Operation Space Power 2, which is another aspect of Operation Space Power. This is a, a mission which came about in 1987, following a line of questioning by Dr. George King, the inventor of this, of this equipment, with satellite number three in May of that year, May of 1987. It's written up in Dr. King's book, Operation Space Power, The Solution to the Spiritual Energy Crisis. Simply, the energy which was put through our spiritual energy radiators, the one in London and the one in Los Angeles, Prior to 1987, that energy, not all of it, was used by mankind. As I say, there were 6,120 prayer hours being put through that equipment each evening of operation. And as Chrissy gave out in an earlier uh, class, the spiritual push dates when satellite number three is in orbit, there are four of these each year running anywhere from four to five weeks in length. So. Each evening during that time, this energy was being pushed out as a beam for humanity to use. 
not all of that energy was used. A certain portion, a very small percentage, was subsequently recalled by satellite number three. The reason for this is because this energy, if it was unused, would cause a resonance, which could actually cause more of a disruption where it's still here. And so consequently, it was, re it was reabsorbed back into satellite number three. And this had gone on over a number of years, this reabsorption. And Dr. King, back in the late 1980s, knowing that he was not going to be alive forever, and I'm sure he was very grateful for that, was uh, looking to some extent to the future. And he came to the realization that here potentially was energy that because it had been through our spiritual energy radiators that we had built, that he designed, that were fully, fully physical, fully terrestrial. Because that energy had been through them and it had been touched by human hands, and to a certain extent, one can say, it was the property of mankind, certainly the property of the Ethereum Society, if you like. And so in this line of questioning to satellite number three, or the master upon satellite number three, Dr. King ascertained that, yes, there was such a, uh, a resource of spiritual energy. It was held by what is called central control. And as a result, the long and the short of this line of questioning was that the cosmic masters put at our disposal three million of these prayer hours that had been through our equipment over all the previous years that had not been used been recalled. So effectively, we had a reserve of three million prayer hours that we could use outside of a spiritual push, because obviously for most of the year, satellite number three is not in orbit of this Earth. And it is also energy that we could use going into the future as and when emergencies arise. And for those of you who are Friends of the Ethereum Society and certainly members, you will read in our information bulletin that goes out each month of, of the use of this energy, Operation Space Power 2 energy, that is used for various situations every month on a, on a regular basis. For example, in this past month, we have discharged energy to a typhoon, a Category 4 typhoon in the Pacific which subsequently, and we cannot claim this to be a direct result, but it is, it's the kind of thing which happens over and over again. That Category 4 typhoon, remember, of course, Hurricane Katrina was a Category 4 uh, hurricane. Hurric hurricanes and typhoons are the same thing, just different terminology. And this Category 4 typhoon was headed for the southern island of Japan with a population of, I think, about 13 million could have caused terrible havoc. But following our discharges, as I say, we cannot make any direct claim, but this typhoon came right down to a Category 2 and then subsequently a Category 1, and later a tropical storm as it passed over uh, mainland Japan. We also discharged last month energy to the nuclear peace talks that were taking place in North Korea to literally imbue those negotiations don't use this energy to change anybody's mind. That would be a complete misuse 
that energy, a wrong form of magic. But we do use it to literally, if you like, imbue those negotiations with a spiritual energy. And for also if there are peace talks taking place in the Middle East. And all such situations, we are able to discharge the supply of Operation Space Power 2 energy to critical situations upon Earth at any time, whether they are man-made, as in political situations, or whether they are what we term natural disasters. So that, in a nutshell, is really Operation Space Power and Operation Space Power 2, two missions which are ongoing in the Ethereum Society, and as I say, as this class is being given, ongoing even at this moment in time. Now, if, unless anybody has any immediate question about Operation Space Power. Right, why are these spiritual energy radiators in Los Angeles, London, and New Zealand? I can answer that one very, very quickly indeed. The Ethereum Society began in London. We have a headquarters in London, manned by a team of staff, who've all incidentally taken an oath of secrecy regarding the use of this equipment the Special Missions Task Force. Similarly, when Dr. King arrived in America, he established a headquarters here in Los Angeles, which is why we have spiritual energy radiator here. And we have had, since the late 1970s, a branch in New Zealand. And that being in the Southern Hemisphere, as opposed to these two in the Northern Hemisphere, is more strategic in a certain way. And it's also on a different time zone, which is also very useful for the operation of these instruments. So that is why we use one also in, in New Zealand. One more question, then we will move on. Jude is asking about satellite number three. This was actually covered in an earlier class. I won't go into the details of satellite number three. One can read about it in the Nine Freedoms. Uh, I will quickly repeat the dates of orbit of satellite number three. These recur each year from April the 18th to May the 23rd, from July the 5th to August the 5th, from September the 3rd to October the 9th, and from November the 4th until December the 10th. And during each of those periods, we cooperate with our spiritual energy radiators with satellite number three. All right, well that, as I say, is Operation Space Power 1 and 2. I'm now going to hand over to Chrissy, who is going to speak about another mission as mentioned a little earlier, Operation Sunbeam. Operation Sunbeam is another of the global healing missions run by the Ethereum Society, and it's ongoing. We have quite a lot to cover tonight, I have to say, because we're talking about five of the ongoing activities of the Society. Every one of them in itself is a seminar on its own, so it's a lot to cover. I'm just going to give a brief overview. What is Operation Sunbeam? As I say, it's a global mission. It's one of great healing for the world, as all these missions are. But the essence of Operation Sunbeam is a mission of karmic manipulation. Now, what I mean by that is we all have a karmic pattern. And every thought we think, every action we perform, we are manipulating. We're changing our own karmic pattern for the better or the worse every second of every day. We're either improving our karmic pattern or it's getting worse or it's well, nothing really stays the same. 
Well, just as there are billions of people on this planet or with individual karmic patterns constantly changing, so too do we have one group soul, if you like, of humanity. We're in this together. We have one karmic pattern. So everything we do that's good or bad or indifferent, we affect our own future and we affect the future of mankind. As I say, we're in it together. Well, the beauty of Operation Sunbeam, it was an inspiration by Dr. George King to change for the better the karmic pattern of humanity. This is a huge task if you think about it. In some ways, in a lesser level, every time, for example, we give healing, we're helping the patient, we're helping ourselves, and we're also helping the karmic pattern of mankind by the act. Operation Sunbeam is like that, only millions of times more powerful. How has it started? It was started by Dr. George King, who had an inspiration about the earth. He was in his meditations one day, a great master of yoga that he was, and was contemplating, meditating upon the plight of this great goddess, if you think about it, on which we live and which for many centuries we have taken everything we need, the food we eat, the water we drink, everything we need for our evolution, for our growth, for our happiness, for our life, we take unthinkingly for the most part from this great goddess. Never any thought really except for a few civilizations of giving something back, taking it for granted as most of us do now. Dr. George King was so inspired by the, the plight of this great goddess and how we just have taken everything from her that he was inspired to come up with Operation Sunbeam, which is, I told you it was a karmic manipulation. It's a way of giving back a token of our appreciation on behalf of humanity to the earth. So you can see how this great act of appreciation will and is improving the whole karmic pattern of mankind. And he started this mission over 40 years ago in 1966. Great ecological mission, if you think about it. Because only now, really, we're hearing, and it's a great thing, only in the last few years we're hearing about the Earth and how we're responsible for the global warming and we're responsible for what's going on on this planet. This was an alien thought in the 1960s, which most of you here were not even alive then, I know, but um, I can tell you it was an alien thought in the 1960s. Nobody talked about ecology. Nobody talked about the planet. And he devised this mission in 1966. Dr. George King was always way ahead of his time. And so this is the whole essence of this mission, of giving back, because being a cosmic master, being a master of such high caliber, he was able and far greater compassion than we are and far greater, higher perspective than we have, um, was able to see what was needed and was able to see that this was a missing link, really, that this giving back to the earth was a huge, giant step in our evolution because the earth this great goddess doesn't need this token from us. It doesn't need it. Um, she is already a great goddess. By that time, she'd had her primary initiation. She's rising to a prominence 
in the solar system to her rightful place in the heavens. That was a previous uh, class. She didn't need this, but we need to give it. Do you see the difference? It's a very, very extremely subtle mission. We need to give it. We need to give appreciation because what is appreciation? When we start to, when most of us, I'm not talking about the people here or people listening, but most people on this earth take things for granted, don't they? They take the, the love of their family for granted. They take everything they have for granted and they look for things that are wrong, you know, and things to worry about and criticize. But there's so much that we have that we take for granted. And when we reach a certain point individually and collectively of thinking, starting to appreciate what we have, then our lives change. We start to realize that we're here not to receive, not to take for granted, but to give back. So it's a huge crossroads in our evolution. Then we start to appreciate, we start to love, we start to be thankful, we start to give back, we start to perform service, and our lives change. So this giving back on behalf of mankind, and because he was a, a great master but living in a terrestrial body, and because the mission is performed by ordinary people living in terrestrial bodies, it is done on behalf of the rest of mankind living in terrestrial bodies. So we are here to, to give this thankfulness, to appreciate not just the earth, but the sun, the planets, the air we breathe, the water we drink is all part of our growth and our evolution. So these are the kinds of thoughts that Dr. King, from his higher perspective, had when he um, brought about Operation Sunbeam. I'd just like to read you a short extract um, that he wrote about the earth, because I think this gives a great insight into his perspective. He said, let us think about this Mother Earth. Let us think about a great glowing sphere, a conscious sphere, not just so many minerals, but a great glowing globe shining not so much by the reflected light of the sun, but with a great burning, shining inner fire, which could be seen to the farthest reaches of this galaxy and beyond, a planet a great living goddess, part of whose existence was to give a platform in space upon which life, us, could gain experience. When you get a master of the caliber of a George King, or a Buddha, or a Jesus, or a Sri Krishna, they are able to manipulate karma, not just for themselves, but on behalf of mankind. And it was this manipulation of karma, of course, that was the main aspect of the mission of Jesus. But that's another lecture in itself and another podcast, a very fascinating one. Operation Sunbeam, go back to the beginning, it was recognized as a world-saving mission even before it was started. Not by us. Still, humanity doesn't on the whole recognize it. As Dr. King, before he started the mission, obtained permission to perform it. You might say, well, whom, who did he obtain permission from? Of course, the Earth herself. And within the Earth are also very ancient, very, very highly advanced beings who are known uh, to the mystics in the ancient mystery schools as the lords of the flame of the Logos of Terra. And Dr. King had to approach these great beings before starting as a, an act of occult protocol to gain permission. 
uh, to perform the first phase, and this was accepted. And the master of theorists accepted at this point, announced his acceptance into the cosmic plan, because there is a plan for this Earth. There's a plan for every one of us. And it's not just a case of getting educated and uh, getting married and all these good things we want to do, but it's much bigger than that. It's a cosmic plan. It's a plan that is for the enlightenment, the peace and enlightenment of everyone on this planet. And it's a plan that's put there and held in place and helped and assisted by great masters throughout the centuries. So Operation Sunbeam is now part of the cosmic plan. Before it even started, it shows its power. The first phase was, uh, took place in California, you'll be pleased to hear, September the 24th, 1966. And right from the beginning also, as, as Paul talked in the last class about the Gotha mission. This is a very, uh, if, you, if you don't know what it's about, then I, I suggest you listen to the last podcast rather than me explaining it, because that's another 20 minutes. But as a result of the Gotha mission, if you remember, these great masters from the planetary system of Gotha wanted to come and help because of what the adepts did. And they have been helping throughout the years in Operation Sunbeam. Their help is invaluable. We would not be able to perform the mission without it. So right from the beginning, Gotha marshals were involved in Operation Sunbeam. I won't go into depth here about the modus operandi, about the performance, save to say that the modus operandi, the way it has been performed, has changed dramatically since the beginning. In the first phase, I'll just tell you briefly about the first phase, a physical container, a battery, like this one, similar to this one here, this is a model, by the way, which contains spiritual energy. We talk a lot about spiritual energy. It's a physical thing, spiritual energy. When you, when you give healing, when you give, send prayer, you're radiating energy, which is physical, it can burn you, it's very powerful. Well, this piece of equipment, this battery, contains spiritual energy, as Paul mentioned. And in the first phase, a physical battery, a container, was taken up to Mount Baldy, and it was charged with energy. It was filled with energy by Dr. George King and also the great cosmic adept known as Saint Peter. This was a, a marvelous beginning. And then later, this battery was taken and discharged. Uh, it was charged and then later discharged into a psychic center of the Mother Earth. And this is the basic, simple sort of principle of Operation Sunbeam. Energy is taken and sent to the living heart of the goddess Terra through her psychic centers. And just as we have psychic centers, so too does the Mother Earth. So Dr. George King, before he invented the mission, he had to come up with some very difficult concepts. He had to work out how to send energy through seawater, because the psychic centers being used were under water. And, but his experience in previous missions really helped him. His experience in Operation Blue Water really helped. His experience in um, Operation Starlight really helped, where energy is taken from the holy mountains. And of course, the experience and help of the Gotham Masters really helped. The um, modus operandi, as I say, have changed over the years. In 1979, there was another great evolution called Plan B of Operation Sunbeam, when the phases became that much more powerful. This time, 3,000 prayer hours. Again, we talk a lot about prayer hours. What is a prayer hour? 
Well, take one person praying with full concentration, full dedication, and all their power for an hour, then that's a prayer hour. So you're talking about 3,000 prayer hours. That's 3,000 people praying for an hour. Think of it like that. So these phases, 3,000 prayer hours could be um, put, could be invoked in only two hours. So it's amazing concentration of energy that took place in this evolution of the mission. And it went on further, further evolution in 1994 in what was called Plan K, when at this point 5,000 prayer hours were invoked and collected and sent by the Gotham Masters to eventually to psychic centers of Earth. I would recommend actually studying the newsletters and the cosmic voices of the Aetherius Society since 1966, because there was a tremendous amount of information in there. And also recommend these two books, Operation Sunbeam, God's Magic in Action, which tells you a lot about uh, various changes that took place. And this one, Eternal Recognition of Operation Sunbeam. There's also a lot of cassette tapes and uh, lectures about this mission. So basically, the karma of mankind has been altered sufficiently by Operation Sunbeam and by um, the other missions that Paul has talked about and that I'm going to talk about too, so that also enabled the spiritual hierarchy of this earth, also known as the Great White Brotherhood, to increase their work for humanity. So because of the vast karmic manipulation, because our karma is improving on the one hand because of these missions, like a, a karmic trigger, if you like, and it, which enables other great ones to help us even more. So it's a win-win. It's a wonderful opportunity for itself. And as Dr. King said, we, if we take one step towards God and the great ones, they can take two steps towards us. So that is, in a nutshell, Operation Sunbeam. There's, as I say, there's a lot more to it, but... I just don't have time to go into it now, unless Paul wants to add it. Well, I'll just add that, uh, as I say, this is an ongoing mission. Uh, there are 16 phases of Operation Sunbeam that are performed each year in various locations in Britain and America. And this energy goes through various psychic centers of the Mother Earth mentioned where the energy flows and it is through the psychic centers that it is able to be taken down to the to the logos of the earth uh, the only other thing would be to play an extract from an excellent lecture given by dr king called, called operation sunbeam uh, we'll put it up on our website when we advertise the podcast unfortunately there are, there are two extremely good extracts on this lecture i vote we've only have the time to play the one so mark if you could please play the first extract for Operation Sunbeam. Operation Sunbeam. This is a modern miracle. Now, I took the idea of Operation Sunbeam because I devised it in its entirety without any outside help whatsoever. And you know, when we do 
decide to walk upright like a sentient being, then we must be prepared to answer all of our own problems. I took the idea, nevertheless, from the great Operation Blue Water, uh, which I spoke to you about yesterday. And I developed it into an operation which I felt was sorely needed upon the earth. Now, Operation Sunbeam is purely a public service operation. If you're interested in finances, and we all have to interest ourselves in finances, whether we like them or not, unfortunately, Operation Sunbeam in America alone has cost us over 90, repeat, $90,000. When we add the cost of the English part of the operation, it's well over the, I would say, something like $150,000-$160,000, which we have spent on this operation. Now, there is no way to sell this operation. There is no way that the Aetherius Society can get its money back from this operation. It is an investment of considerable finance in the welfare of mankind. Now, let's have a look what it is. Because that amount of money is considerable when it is given by a small organization like the Aetherius Society. For the Roman Catholic Church, with the vast wealth which they have accumulated throughout the years, $150,000, $200,000 isn't much. One of the Pope's rings costs more than that. However, for a small organization, uh, like the Aetherius Society, bearing in mind this is only one of the public service missions we are performing, it's a considerable investment. But we all think it well worthwhile. What is it? Well, again, very briefly, the Earth is a living entity, and we are thieves. We are thieves, rogues, vagabonds. Thieves, thieves, and greater thieves. For thousands of years, mankind has been taking the fruits of the earth. And very, very seldom in all those thousands of years has he thought about giving anything back in return. Some of the native tribes, so-called barbaric tribes, primitive tribes, have given more back to the earth than Western civilization has, because at least they have recognized the earth for what it is, 
a provider, a provider of food and sustenance, and has been providing for them for centuries. Western man, with his so-called scientific approach, which is not scientific really, but it's a so-called scientific, very definitely materialistic approach, has made little or no attempt to give back to the mighty Logos even a fraction of what he has stolen from her throughout the years. Somebody had to initiate an operation whereby at least something, no matter how small, something had to be given back to the earth as a recognition for her greatness and patience. Let's look at this word patience when referred to a logos. You know, let none of us for one moment believe that the earth as an entity could not shake us all from her back. The maximum time it would take would be 13 minutes 59 seconds. The minimum time it would take would be about three and a half to four minutes. And if you're an advanced occultist, you do not need any further explanation. Even if she decided to reverse the poles, or move through a quarter of her rotative arc, just a little thing like that, and she's done that several times in the past, that movement would take place in less than 14 minutes. And all life as we know it would be changed. You know, there's only so long that the great lords will allow anything to suffer. There is only so long that they'll allow this. Jesus was allowed to suffer on the cross for a certain length of time and then he had to do one of two things, leave the physical body for the time being or come down from the cross even if he'd have had to destroy the Roman army which he could have done. In fact one word from him and I know of two entities who would have destroyed Rome. Let's make no bones about this at all. And let's 
never ever forget, never ever, if you do, then I don't think you're worthy of the term human. Let us never ever forget what we owe to this great goddess, who in divine patience has put up with mankind for these many countless centuries. And what have you done in return? You discovered how to split the hydrogen atom and you destroyed a civilization, Lemuria. And not content with that, you went back to the modern slime which radioactivity creates and you built yourself up again into another civilization and you destroyed that civilization with atomic war, Atlantis. And what are you on the verge of today? Destroying the present civilization with a radioactive release. And imagine the tremendous scars you have caused in the body of a great and evolved cosmic goddess. If you want to put a dam down, do you ask the higher forces? No, you don't. You dam up a river. Uh, if you want to cut a road through a mountain, you cut a road through a mountain. If you want to blast huge chunks of earth away, you do so. Imagine, imagine if the earth had feelings. What pain and anguish you must have caused during the last war with all the hundreds of thousands of tons of high explosive bombs dropped wherever you wanted to drop them. And, of course, the mass murder of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Now, as I said, there are, there's another extract, an extremely powerful, informative extract that Dr. King gives on that same lecture tape. We don't have time for it, where he does go into the, the Gotha masters just a little bit and how they perform the major aspect of Operation Sunbeam. We still have our, very much our hands-on aspect. We have apparatus, radion, radionic apparatus that needs to be set up at a certain time in a certain place. But the Gotham Masters manipulate the energy. And in February of 1995, Dr. King received the following mental transmission from one of these masters we refer to as Adept Nixie's 0011, in which he said, without Operation Sunbeam, certain parts of the surface of this planet would be quite different. There would be more upheavals under the oceans, and the plates would tend to move much more rapidly than they do at the moment, thus causing tremendous upheavals. Operation Sunbeam is saving you from many catastrophes, and when upheavals do happen, the frequency of these are spread out over a much longer period of time. 
Your Operation Sunbeam is a world saver. This obviously makes Operation Sunbeam today, as in the past, one of the most important missions ever carried out by Earth people on the surface of this planet. Now that, as I say, was given in 1995, and the reason I mention it is because we now have something that are called silent earthquakes. And in 1999, a geologist with the Geo Geological Survey of Canada called Herb Draggart made a significant discovery regarding earthquakes. He monitored a 6.8 quake that hit the state of Washington. Only nobody there could feel the ground shaking. Normally, the violent energy released during a quake of this size would be released in perhaps half a minute. But instead, this quake took place over four weeks. After this discovery, geologists around the world reviewed their records and realized that these silent earthquakes had been going on for a few years all around the world in those areas where earthquake devastation is considered an expected part of life. Hawaii, Iran, Afghanistan, and Japan have had several, and the longest was a quake over 7.0 in New Zealand, which lasted over a year. Geologists have long been trying to predict earthquakes ahead of time and are now trying to see how this new phenomenon fits in with their existing theories. While many geologists have assumed that these silent earthquakes could be the precursor to much larger quakes, the Ethereum Society was given that transmission by Adep Nixie 0011 in 1995 about how the plates are moving much more slowly than they would otherwise do, saving us from tremendous upheaval. So we can't say that that's a certain fact, but it certainly is interesting information, the correlation between these silent earthquakes that we noticed in 1999 and the statement by the Gotham Master in 1995. Uh, now, Chrissy, we have to move on to our next mission, still being performed, Operation Prayer Power. This is another global healing mission. And Operation Prayer Power is helping to solve the energy crisis. And by that, I mean the real energy crisis. I'm not talking here about the lack of coal or gas or oil, but the lack of spiritual energy on this planet. By spiritual energy, I mean L-O-V-E, that energy called love. And if you think about it, all the uh, poverty and all the problems on our planet are caused by this ultimately underlying all the problems we have is this lack of love isn't it the selfishness it's the greed uh, because we have enough to go round. so the one thing we have to as a race uh, change is this is by putting more spiritual energy into the world and operation prayer power it sounds strange it sounds um, if you're new to this concept again ahead of its time but operation prayer power is devised and was given in 19, actually given as a gift by Dr. King on January the 23rd, his 53rd birthday, 1972, to all people throughout the world who are unselfishly working for the preservation of the ecological balance 
of the planet. So again, he was talking about ecology in 1972 um, when very few people were talking about it. So it's an ecological balance. Similar uh, to Operation Sunbeam in that respect, both ecological missions but different. Another difference is that Operation Sunbeam is performed by a handful of people, trained initiates. Um, Operation Prayer Power is open to every one of you in this room, every one of you listening to this podcast. All you have to do is take a couple of little mantra classes, believe in the power of prayer. You're very welcome to come. The only problem is we only have five centers currently around the world. Um, because of lack of funding. The centers are Los Angeles here, London, Detroit, Michigan, Auckland, New Zealand, and the north of England, Barnsley in the north of England. These are the places where Operation Prayer Power every single week happens for about two hours on the, in an evening. Um, you can join in and you can make a tremendous difference to this spiritual energy crisis. And once, Dr. King has said, once we can solve this crisis, then all the other crises will naturally be right themselves. This is, this is the fundamental um, crisis, actually. So we can go along to this mission every week, and we can actually participate in what is a cosmic mission, like Operation Sunbeam, Operation Prayer Power 2 was accepted into the cosmic plan for the peace and enlightenment of humanity. So how does, how does this mission work? Well, again, the fundamental principle is Dr. King was thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could get together thousands of people when there's a world emergency, a disaster, an earthquake, a flood, a war? Isn't there always, unfortunately? If we could get thousands of people around the world together praying their hearts out for this disaster. If we could do that, then you could see the results. There would be great spiritual energy pouring into the area, people would be healed, um, rescue workers would be filled with energy and inspiration, and, all, and great help could be given. But if you think about it, it's impossible to do. You might get, you'll get people, if they hear about a disaster, they'll be praying in different parts of the world, a few minutes here, a few minutes there. But to get this kind of intensity is kind of an impossible thing to do at this point at a time. So instead, he came up with this idea of Operation Prayer Power, where energy can be stored indefinitely in a spiritual energy battery. And here's a model we have here. And this model of a battery is a piece of radionic equipment, which can store the energy, the spiritual energy that's put into it each week by people like you and I, who perform holy mantra, to invoke energy. Holy mantra is a way, a very high form of prayer designed to invoke energy. And also a prayer team, a highly trained prayer team who pluck the energy invoked by the mantra team and through using mudra or hand signs, place it into the battery where it is stored. And Paul is, I think, going to demonstrate how a prayer team member in Operation Prayer Power performs this uh, mudra. <laughs> Uh, and performs this prayer into the battery. Can you volunteer? Well, I, I will do. We're a little pushed for time. Oh, okay. Uh, I think just before I do, certainly those of us who are brought up in the Christian church have one concept of prayer. Uh, we in the Ethereum Society use a different concept of prayer, which we call dynamic prayer. 
where we really put a tremendous amount of focus and concentration and belief, obviously, and heart into that prayer. We really mean it. We mean it with, a, with the intensity to literally change the world, to invoke as much energy as we possibly can. That is how we, uh, Dr. King literally trained us to pray, as if, as if our life depended on it. And it is an incredibly powerful force. Actually, I should say here at this point that Chrissy, together with her husband Gary, has written an excellent book on prayer called Power Prayer. Anyway, you're pushing me to do this. I'm going to very briefly, using a prayer, the prayers that we use in Operation Prayer Power are the prayers from the 12 blessings given by the Master Jesus in 1958. So, with my left hand, I, we use a, a mudra to attract energy from the mantra team. I will not use that here. Uh, and with the right hand, which will go up over the entrance to the battery, I will push energy through the psychic center in the palm of my hand into the opening in the battery. This, as Chrissy has pointed out, is a, is a model. Blessed are they who love, for they are the disciples of God. Almighty God, who is the creator of all things, we pray that your light may shine through us all so that we may transmit this unto the world. Thanks, Paul. You see, it's quite a dynamic type of prayer. The prayer itself is a carrier wave for the energy. It may sound strange to you if you haven't heard prayer like this before. It's a carrier wave for the spiritual energy to be pushed into this battery. Then, when the battery is full... It can be released and has been since the beginning. It actually was inaugurated, I don't think I said this, in 1973, June the 30th, Holston Down, North Devonshire. I was there at the time in England. And since the beginning, energy from Operation Prayer Power has been released to world situations. And it has been released to help in situations in Mexico, Italy, Algeria, Turkey, Iran, Conflicts such as Cyprus, the Gulf War, the Falklands War, Bosnia, Croatia, Northern Ireland, Kosovo, Hurricanes Gilbert, Andrew, Katrina, tsunamis, fires in California, and much, much more. Okay, I'd just like to say that now the energy is released, released in a slightly different way weekly during spiritual pushes in conjunction with um, satellite number three. But I'm just going to say a couple more things before I hand over to Paul. One is that 1978, the master Ethereus declared that in his Declaration of Truth to Terror, an amazing transmission, that Operation Prayer Power was part of the karmic necessities of mankind. Like Operation Sunbeam, it provides a karmic trigger for the spiritual hierarchy of Earth to do more. It's, as I say, it's open to anybody throughout the world. We're accepting people. We want people to come. Like the other spiritual missions, hard to prove. Paul gave a very interesting proof about the effects of Operation Sunbeam, and I'd just like to recount a personal experience I had, which to me was a proof of Operation Prayer Power. Um, I remember at the time, in one of the first batteries that was discharged in Operation Prayer Power, it was very exciting. It took place on July the 21st, 1974, and we had only 542 prayer hours in a battery in England. 
And it wasn't full, in other words, because they hold about 2,000 prayer hours. But still, there was a war going on in Cyprus. Probably most of you don't remember. But Dr. King agreed that the energy could be released to this Cyprus war. And within hours, a ceasefire was accepted by Turkey and Greece. And the war came to an end. It was many years later, probably 10, 15 years later, I was taking a healing class in London. And there was only one man at this healing class. And he turned out that he was on the front lines of this particular war in Cyprus at the time in 1974 when the Operation Prayer Power battery was released. And I told him about it. And his reaction was, well, of course, he said, that explains it. He said, it's been a mystery to me. He said, we were soldiers on the front lines of that war. And he said, there was none of us could see it ending. Suddenly, he said, the ceasefire came out of the blue. And he said, do you know what the soldiers there said? He said, we said, this is an act of God. He said, this is something beyond our belief, the way it happened. And he said, I really believe this was Operation Prayer Power. He said, this to me is proof. And okay, it's not an ultimate proof. It's hard to prove spiritual things. But to me, it certainly was a proof. And the thing to do, if you can participate in Operation Prayer Power, I urge you to do so. You change your karmic pattern, but more important than that, you can really, really help our world. Operation Prayer Power also is not only open to anyone who believes in the power of prayer, it, it is no respecter of religious belief. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you want to help, as long as you want to give service. It's a very noble mission, and it's one that is really, really making a difference. So I'd just like to end that now by handing over to Paul. We'll talk about the final mission uh, tonight, the Saturn mission. I'm just going to, to add, actually, Chrissy, to what... to. Operation Prayer Power, the energy which is discharged also through our spiritual energy radiator to come back to that aspect of our cosmic missions, but it is released in a very concentrated form. So if we, release, if we discharge 500 prayer hours, if we've collected 500 prayer hours, those prayer hours will be discharged in a very short space of time. So the energy that goes out is extremely concentrated. I'd just like to play <clears throat> an extract, another lecture given by Dr. King on Operation Prayer Power. Let us go to another part of life. Supposing there is an earthquake. Thousands of people are suddenly released from the physical plane into the subtle realms. You can imagine the chaos that results. If you can't, then may I suggest you go to the subtle realms after an earthquake and you will see the chaos that results. A mass of humanity is suddenly released out of the physical body through death that's the inevitable initiation, you know, is death. Through death to the subtle realms, all the spirit realms, and what happens? Well, there is a chaos for a time until everything begins to be sorted out. It's not automatically sorted out, so don't please labor under that delusion. 
It is sorted out, but it takes a time. Right, now what about the people left? What about the maimed and the suffering? Right, you can send healing to them. Good, you should do. Let's take it a little further forward. What do you want to do? An earthquake occurs. Thousands of people are killed. You can't help that. You have no control over the subtle realms. You do have control over the physical realms. Thousands of people are killed. Thousands of people are homeless and maimed. What do you do? You pray for those people, do you not? And you certainly should do. Now, let us suppose, let us just suppose, and a lot of geometrical proof starts with a supposition. Let us just suppose that it was possible, instead of having you as a single individual who is able to pray for three hours for the uh, aftermath of an earthquake, let us suppose that six weeks or two months beforehand you were one of a company of a hundred people who had prayed for six hundred hours, not two, six hundred hours of concentrated prayer. And let us just suppose you could put this in a physical container. And let us just suppose you had the equipment available to release this 600 prayer hours. 600 prayer hours. Awful lot of prayer hours, you know. 600 prayer hours to direct it towards everyone suffering in that area and everyone who was helping the suffering in that area what would happen? The results would be outstanding. They've just got to be. If you don't believe they'd be, then you don't believe in the power of your own prayer. And that's exactly what we do in Operation Prayer Power. I have devised an apparatus which is several thousand years ahead of its time, I know, it is capable of storing your energy. I, wanna, I want to say this, the apparatus itself without your prayer energy isn't worth a damn. But with your prayer energy in it, it is a very valuable tool in mass healing of the world. Mass healing. Because it is directed, your energy, it is stored, and it is ready to be used when necessary. If you are the president of an organization, for instance, like the Aetherius Society, which has members in Australia, Japan, uh, Africa, uh, America, uh, New Zealand, and so on, all over the world. There's only a fraction of our membership here today, by the way. If you're a president of an organization like that, you would see that it would be very, very difficult right after an earthquake 
or other natural catastrophe to bring sufficient members together in order to make a quick lightning-like approach to bring relief to the particular area. And even if you did, those members would have to pray in a very concerted method for hour after hour after hour. But supposing those members had prayed for five, six, seven, hundred, hundred, ladies and gentlemen, hours beforehand, and you had a neat little accumulator, something similar to your car battery, with their energy, or at least a portion of their energy, if not all of it, a portion of their energy stored in that thing, and you had the apparatus it, to get it out, and you could direct that to any part of the world, you have a very, very different situation. And that's what the Aetherius Society has done in Operation Prayer Power. All right, the last mission that we'll cover this evening, and I'll cover it, I'm afraid, like the others, we've had to really do rather briefly. This is a mission we call the Saturn mission because it was devised by the lords of Saturn prior to 1981, which is when it came into existence. The first phase was performed in September of 1981. And in many ways, the greatest things are also the simplest things. There's nothing complicated certainly in the modus operandi of any of these missions. They're all really very, very simple. They're all karmic manipulations. They're all taking energy from one source and manipulating it in a, diff in a, in a certain way with love, in a spiritual way, and then discharging it, releasing it to a situation where it, ne where it is needed, where it can be used. And that is the very, very simple modus operandi really for all of these missions. Difficulty is making them happen, and certainly making them happen from the correct karmic point of view. So the, the Saturn mission, as I say, was devised by the lords of Saturn, extremely elevated masters, as was covered in our Nine Freedoms podcast, and as you can read about in the Nine Freedoms, in the Eighth Freedom, the existence upon Saturn, extremely elevated masters. Uh, again, very much the same principle take energy and to release it in a strategic way to help bring about a far greater result. The Saturn mission is performed primarily by the adepts, the adepts who we've spoken about in, in the last class and no doubt other masters upon this world as well, in which they charge in a remote location, exactly the same kind of physical battery. Not one that we would use for Operation Prayer Power, but the same principle. They take two hours to charge one of these batteries that is able to hold this high spiritual vibration. So a battery is charged with extremely elevated energies invoked by adepts. 
This battery is then taken out over a psychic center of the Mother Earth. And there are two such psychic centers that we use in the Saturn mission. And these psychic centers are where energy flows from the Mother Earth out into, into the physical realm. So the battery is discharged over the psychic center, it's taken out in a boat. Initially, this boat was piloted by Dr. King. It's taken out in a very strategic pattern in the early phases of the Saturn mission. Dr. King would be in communication with adept Nixie 005, who would be directing, in part, that pattern that Dr. King was to take, similar to Operation Blue Water. Now it's a similar principle, although, of course, we don't have that two-way communication with the masters. But the, the modus operandi was worked out with Dr. King, prior to his demise, was worked out in November of 1994 with the senior engineering officers of the Ethereum Society, whereby we could take out a boat over a psychic center and discharge the energy that had been placed in the battery by the adepts at a, at a previous time. And there are three sub-phases to each phase of the Saturn mission. So this is done three times. Three times the battery is charged, as I say, in a remote location. Three times it is then discharged over the psychic center, where there is this free flow intermingling of energies from, from the center itself. And the mission was initially designed for world peace and bring about a devic stabilization. And as a result of each phase, it was said that there are 90,000 lives upon Earth who are saved either from death or severe mutilation. Such is the powerful influence of these energies intermingling, as I say, with the natural flow of energies through and from these psychic centers. Now, again, that on the face of it, it sounds like a, a far-fetched statement, saving of 90,000 lives from each phase. But I have to say that there is, again, some very interesting statistics that don't absolutely prove that statement, but they certainly make, make that statement very interesting. For example... Between 1963 and 1993, as indeed predicted by the Master Theorists back in 1963, the number of natural disasters, hurricanes, typhoons, mudslides, tidal waves, earthquakes, etc., has increased, according to the Russian National Academy of Science, by 410%. There's been a dramatic increase over the past 40, 50 years in the number of natural disasters. Coinciding with that, and as everything gets more expensive, but the annual cost has also absolutely skyrocketed. This is uh, from published data from the, from the Red Cross. The annual direct losses from weather-related events 
increased from an estimated $3.9 billion in the 1950s to a staggering $63 billion per year on average in the 1990s. As is, the, the data doesn't include Hurricane Katrina, which alone was $200 billion, and of course the terrible tsunami, actually that was an earthquake uh, as opposed to weather-related, but in Southeast Asia. So it's getting even more. This, this data goes up to the 1990s. But between the 50s, 1950s, and the 1990s, there's been more than a 15-fold increase in the cost of these disasters, coinciding with the dramatic increase in their number. Now, the annual increase in the number of people who are affected by these disasters has gone from a approximately 70 million people in the 1970s. number of people who've been affected by disasters happening around the world was approximately 70 million people per year in the 1970s to 200 million people in the 1990s. So it's tripled. The number of people affected by these disasters has tripled in number. And yet, and this is where the... the information about the Saturn mission is so interesting, how each phase, and there are three currently since Dr. King's, or since 1998, there have been three phases of the Saturn mission performed each year. We're now up to, I think we started with phase 36 following his demise, and we're now up to, I believe, phase 63 or something like that, three phases performed each year. So this claim that 90,000 lives are saved with each phase despite the dramatic increase in the number of natural disasters and the number of people affected by these disasters, which has tripled, the number of deaths has gone down from an average of 200,000 lives per year in the 1970s, before the Saturn mission began in 1981. 200,000 people on average killed by these disasters in the 1970s to just 80,000 lives in the 1990s. So there's been a decrease in the number of lives lost of 60% since the Saturn mission came into effect, which, as I say, one cannot be categorical, one can't be conclusive and say, well, that has to be a direct result of the Saturn mission. But just like Chris's example in Operation Prayer Power, just like the information that coming out of geological sur surveys about these now-discovered sil silent earthquakes of the tectonic plates moving much more slowly, lessening the effect of these earthquakes, and discharges of Operation Space Power 2 energy, the typhoons and other things. We've had remarkable incidences with hurricanes in recent following this release of spiritual energy. Really, all the evidence has to stack up, but we cannot be absolutely categorical and say, well, this is a direct result of the cosmic missions. But for anybody who really takes the time to research this information, it certainly goes beyond coincidence. And as, as I said at the beginning of this lecture tonight, and really like to close out on, on this, uh, class, what these cosmic missions are doing. Number one, they are a way in which a, a humanity can
can have a hands-on effect of working with the cosmic masters. And as it said in that transmission by the master theorists, the more that we do this, the more they can help us all as a whole and then eventually come among us. We have to show the interest. We have to be willing to go out of our way to cooperate, enabling them. As Chrissy said, as we take one step towards God, God can take two steps towards us. So that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect, as I mentioned, is that, it, that these missions are literally buying time for humanity at this critical time, again from the master theorists, when the evolution of mankind is being speeded up. These cosmic missions are helping to buy time for mankind to change to become more spiritually conscious than we are, to begin to realize what we do owe, in the case of Operation Sunbeam, to the Mother Earth. And the value of prayer and the value of service and the reality of life and advanced life, cosmic masters beyond this Earth. That, unless, anybody, unless Chrissy has anything to add, mm -hmm. concludes part four in this series of Why the Ethereal Society. Thank you very much. You. Yes, question, sorry. Uh, an adept, yes, uh, absolutely. This no, number one was the last part, last week's lecture, part three. In a nutshell, the earth is going through critical change. And we have challenges that are greater than humanity can, can deal with certainly following the most significant aspect of this change, which is when, the, when more energy was given to this Earth than she'd ever received before. This was in, on July the 8th, 1964, which we call the primary initiation of Earth. This was really the trigger for all the change that we're now seeing, as covered in podcast two. But what it did trigger was what we have around this Earth, are other realms of dimension, where we go when we die. There are higher realms, if you like, mythological heavens. And there are lower realms, mythological hells, depending on our whole karmic pattern, the way we've lived our life. Someone who's lived an extremely charitable, caring, kind, giving life, sacrificial life, will go to a higher realm. Someone who's pushed drugs, manipulated other people, all kinds of negative aspects, even probably maybe killed people, by the very law of karma, could not go to the same realm as the kind person. They would have gone to a lower astral realm. And just as there are, shall we say, white magicians, there are dark magicians, black magicians, who manipulate the energy. What we have on this physical realm is very, very bad. Has been. We've got war, we've got disease, we've got hunger, we've got crime, we've got every kind of terrible thing you can conceive of, manipulated by masters, on black, black magicians on the lower astral realm who have become extremely powerful. Now, to answer your question, after the initiation of Earth on July the 8th, 1964, the lower astral realms became extremely active. And were it not for these adepts, masters from beyond this earth, masters not from this earth, masters from other planets within our own solar system, being inhabited on higher levels of vibration, masters like Jesus, we believe, 
was an adept, or at least an avatar, came from Venus. Likewise, the Lord Buddha came from Venus. Sri Krishna came from Saturn, the most evolved planet in our own solar system, came to Earth to teach and to perform karmic manipulations on this Earth. Well, the adepts we refer to, there were initially three adepts who were born to, in Earth physical bodies, develop themselves to attain advanced spiritual power, if you like, and these were masters who went into the lower astral realms to fight the black magicians and even an alien intelligence that was on the lower astral realms of this earth that was triggered by the energies from, from the primary initiation of earth. There are other adepts besides these three, but these three took on earth physical bodies. So they're people who you could meet walking down the street. I know that was very long, convoluted. Did it answer your question? Good. Thank you. Raisa is asking um, whether we can pray at home to help ourselves and other people. We don't just have to send our energy into batteries. Is that what you're saying? Of course. Yes, of course. Uh, the more people that pray and send out their light and their love, the more the world will change for the better. It's up to us, you know. It's our planet. We live on this planet. We're in it together. And it's up to each and every one of us to make this change. And we have to do it. It's Thank just you. in prayer power, we can, we can store the energy so that it's pre-collected, as Dr. King described in, in that extract. And we can release it in a very concentrated way. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry, what's your name? Jackie was asking whether the changes, we believe the changes are coming irrespective of what we do about it and whereby we're being moved to a higher dimension. Absolutely, yes, we do believe that. Um, after the primary initiation of Earth, which Paul mentioned, the Earth herself is releasing her energies and rising to her prominence, her real place in the heavens. And this earth will become a far more spiritual, a far better place than it is now. And those people who are ready can stay on this planet and enjoy the fruits of this time in a great sort of new age of peace and enlightenment, which is going to happen. But before we get there, we're, we're going to go through some difficulties, which we can see now, but nothing's inevitable either. So the more we do to help, the more we can ease the problems, the earthquakes, the difficulties that are predicted. As Paul read about the silent earthquakes, this change that's coming about with those. And all these, the more we do, the more the changes will happen um, more peacefully, more slowly. As Paul said, the missions are buying us time. Every prayer we do from a, uh, a willing heart is buying us time. Every act of service we do is buying us time. But the missions are very, very powerful, very concentrated karmic manipulation. So we are going to change, yes, in a positive way on this earth. And let's make sure that um, leading up to that is going to be 
calmer than has been predicted. <laughs> yeah, I'd also like to, you know, one can get into all of this and and forget the yogic aspect of it all, the metaphysical aspect, which is that it's all absolute oneness. All of creation is absolute oneness. And in the, in the Bible it says, you know, every hair on our head is known. The, the falling of a sparrow is known. There is nothing insignificant. And to that extent, our thoughts are extremely powerful. And prayer is thought, but with love behind it and intention behind it. And it has a direct effect upon the whole. It's an act of magic. Everything that we do is an act of magic. And it's either white magic or black magic or gray magic. So because these are such critical times, every small thing that we do is, is magnified at this time. Again, coming back to a transmission, I'm afraid you missed because you uh, was read out before you came in. But everything is being quickened. Every act of service that any of us do is, is, far, is of far greater importance. This was actually from Join Your Ship last week. Is of far greater importance because of the importance and the urgency of these times in which we are now living. We are, in another sense, we are already living on borrowed time. And as the masters have said repeatedly, they can only do so, uh, so much divine intervention. And... Again, from last week, that the divine intervention that they have been allowed has been to save us from obliteration, which could have come about in, in other ways, in other ways. But yes, we all need to be active, spiritually active, and particularly during a spiritual push when it is magnified by 3,000 times. Yes, a spiritual push is the times when satellite number three is in orbit of this earth. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you.